Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, you are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler. As you know, we feature women in the sports industry on this podcast. However, a while back, I thought the 49ers would win the NFC West. Sports reporter and writer for NBCLA, Michael Duarte, thought the Rams would win the NFC West. Michael was right, and he picked appearing on Get My Job as his prize. We're very honored. So Michael joins me today to talk about how men in the sports industry can continue to support women, how the industry changed during the pandemic, and say yes to opportunities. He also takes us through his career journey while sharing a roomy quote we can all learn from. You guys are going to love it, so listen and enjoy. All right, Michael, welcome to Get My Job. As I mentioned in the intro, everybody, Michael and I had a bet on who was going to win the NFC West. I said the 49ers. He said the Rams. The He obviously won, and his prize was to appear on Get My Job. As you guys know, normally we just focus on women in the sports industry, but today is, you know, extra special because of the bet. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Groundbreaking, trailblazing. I believe those were the words you were seeking instead of extra <laughs> yes, special. Groundbreaking, groundbreaking and trailblazing were the words, and I'm so glad you're here to correct those for me. Uh, congratulations on winning the bet. Congratulations on the Rams winning the Super Bowl. Congratulations on being such a groundbreaker and trailblazer. Yeah, I was, of course, joking in that regard. When we originally set the stakes of said bet, which happened way back in June for your listeners uh, before the football season had even started, and I even said that there's a outside chance that the Arizona Cardinals win the division, which almost happened as well. But you originally wanted Cody Bellinger's phone number. That's what you wanted the stakes to be. And I after, did, and, and so... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, nope, sorry. Go ahead. No, nope, go ahead. I have not. I don't think anyone listening to the show or who follows me is going to be surprised by that information. Well, as all. I truly thought about what I would want when the Rams won the NFC West, I thought, look, you have this show, this podcast, get my job. And all I've ever seen is women on it for a reason. And I understand that. And I was like, I want to be, I want to, I'm like an outlaw who only obeys by the rules they set for themselves, right? Mm. And so I wanted to break some rules that you had set. And I joke about being a, a trailblazer and, and groundbreaking in the sense that I'll be the first male on your podcast, but I think you should make this a reoccurring thing um, because there's not enough females in sports uh, who have the jobs that have been predominantly dominated by men for decades and that should change and even though we see a lot of females now like doing sideline reportings and even anchoring uh sports shows you know i still don't see them in roles as producers or behind the camera um or writing or on a beat like you do for the 49ers and all that should change so if hearing from men on how they got their job can maybe help some women take my job. Don't do it yet, please, because I'm not finished with what I want to achieve. <laughs> but yeah, go for it. Well, thank you very much for that. I mean, the whole point of Get My Job was to highlight or is to highlight women in the industry, but we'll see how this episode goes and I will take it under consideration. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, 
BetOnline is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online, where the game starts. Michael, can you please start by taking us on your professional journey? Can you be more specific? When did you start? How did you start? And what were the steps along the way to get to where you are today? I did not take the traditional course into sports journalism. I actually went to undergrad uh, to be a screenwriter. And I think since I was a child, I'd always wanted to be a storyteller. And whatever creative field, medium, or direction that took me in, that was kind of where I wanted to just go. It didn't necessarily have to be screenwriting. Originally, I was like going into theater, which was not something I wanted to do, but I just wanted to write stories and see them come to life. And so... That's what my emphasis was in undergrad. And after selling a couple screenplays and making a lot of money early on and thinking that I was just going to like be destined for success, um, I got a rude awakening that sometimes I'll option something and they'll sit on it or put it on the shelf and they won't make it. And still nobody knows who you are. And now you have to get back to work and write again. But I'd always been gravitated to sports. Um, not in the traditional story sense, but just in, as a kid growing up, I played soccer, I ran track cross country. I played football. I played baseball. I played basketball. Uh, I love competition as you probably know. Uh, I play chess. I play Scrabble, like any game that in my opinion requires me to think. And also, you know, some little athletic ability that I may have left in me, uh, I enjoy, And so I've always been gravitated towards that. And so, um, you know, after foraign and screenwriting and working as an agent for a while and going to grad school at USC for creative writing and just trying to like learn as much as I could about the best way to tell stories and learn, learn the art of storytelling. I then, uh, was in living in New York city in Tribeca. Oh, I'm trying to think when this was maybe like 2011, 2012. Okay. And uh, ran into somebody who had also gone to USC at the same time I was there. And he was working at Newsweek as the sports editor. Okay. And he had always wanted to be a screenwriter. And we ran into each other at this sports bar in Tribeca, close to my apartment. And we were watching USC play Oregon back when Lane Kiffin was the, was the coach uh, before he got fired on the tarmac. And we celebrated in ecstasy and exultation as USC kicked a field goal as time expired to beat Oregon. And, you know, we stayed in, we became like fast friends and he wanted me to help him out with some of the screenplays he had written. And they were all sports themed, which was interesting. Okay. And I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of sick of this industry. I'd like to get into like what you're into, even though he was an editor. Um, I was like, I'd like to get into that. 
And so he put me down this path where I'd already had like a day job working as an agent in Los Angeles that I didn't, that didn't fulfill me at all, uh, that I didn't enjoy outside of just the benefits that come with it, the lifestyle benefits, I guess you could say. Uh, and so uh, we agreed to scratch each other's back, I guess to say. So I agreed to shop some of his screenplays and he set me up working for this like free contributor website where I had no rules, no boundaries, no barriers. And I was able to just go out and write whatever the hell I wanted. And so I did. And I did it for free. And I did it for free for like a year and a half. And then one day at a really down, probably the lowest point in my life, uh, I got a phone call from him. And he said, hey, uh, a sports editor reached out to me and wants to know if you, want, if you can write about soccer and if you want to go to the World Cup in Brazil. Wow. And may I ask why that was the lowest point in your life? Mm, you can ask, but I can politely choose not to answer. But just a lot of um, things, tragedies that happened to me at that point, that year, that was 2014. Okay. And um, yeah, it was really low. So it felt like this opportunity coming when it did was, you know, maybe a sign from the universe, maybe a message to me. Mm-hmm an opportunity to to change the course of my life and reinvent myself and kind of restart. So again, like I said, this is not a traditional tale of how most people break into this business or do this business. Uh, and I know that. And I know that I'm very blessed and lucky to have gone this path. So long story short, I said, yes, I quit my job as an agent. Uh, I packed up my shit and I went to Rio and uh, I wrote about soccer. And to be honest with you, I had played soccer, so I knew a little bit about it, but I'd never written about soccer. So I had to do a little refresher course, of course. And um, it's interesting that that's kind of like my first major assignment, like actually in a press box or covering something. And I got hooked to this day. Soccer is still my favorite sport to watch live. Mm -hmm. And that sent me down the path that I'm on now. Shortly thereafter, at the end of 2014, after covering the World Cup, getting back, being offered a full-time job uh, with this uh, affiliate of Newsweeks at the time called Latin Times, uh, to be a writer, they then bumped me up to the sports editor. I then had a, a staff of sports writers working under me. At the time, there was a lot of budget, and then they had hired some CFO that stole all their money, and then they started to lay people off, and I could kind of see the writing on the wall. So in late 2014, I applied to NBCLA. And I think February of 2015, I got a call that I had the job and to come in and start training. And, you know, originally my role has evolved over the years. It was originally to, to do some TV work, to do writing about the Dodgers. At the time, they already had a Lakers writer. The Rams and Chargers hadn't moved to L.A. yet. They asked me if I could cover the Kings as they were making a cup run um, in 2014 and making the playoffs after those years. And so I just kind of said yes to every opportunity that they threw at me. And now it's kind of involved into this role where uh, I'm a reporter, I'm a columnist, uh, I can write about whatever important LA sport there is at that at any given time or any given moment. Uh, I've built relationships with players, with teams, uh, and I cover now you know any LA sports team that that's relevant at the time. But right now it's mostly Lakers, Dodgers, and Rams. 
So you just said something aside from the fact that is that is an interesting journey, and I'm glad I'm glad I asked it the way I did, and I'm glad that you answered it. But you just said something about saying yes to opportunity, and it's something we talk a lot about on this podcast, especially when you are just starting out in this industry. So how important was that, and what a different how much of a difference did that make for you? Uh, saying yes to opportunities as they present themselves. Yes, but no, but that's not. Sometimes people will not say yes to opportunities because they find, they think, well, this isn't exactly what I wanted to do. So I'm going to say no. So one of the things that we talk about a lot and our guests talk about a lot is the idea of looking at opportunities and being open to saying yes to them, even if it's not exactly in the lane you were looking for, because you just don't know where things are going to lead. Yeah. So by the way, I just got a text from my sister that she's heading to the hospital. She's going to labor. So that's very exciting as we continue oh, the podcast. For congratulations. Well, by the time the podcast airs, because we are recording a little bit earlier, you will be an uncle. So I congratulations uncle. to you. Yes, thank you. Um, to go back to your question. So one thing I learned from that whole process is let the beauty of what you love be what you do. I think that's Rumi. I think that's a Rumi quote. But if you don't love what you do and you don't find the beauty and the passion in it, then you're kind of just wasting your gift. And so for anybody out there, if those words resonate with you, then maybe you should think about a career change or a shift. I can tell you that uh, I don't make as much money as I made when I was an agent, when I was working in, in Hollywood and in the film industry, but I'm a lot happier. Um, I'm a lot more fulfilled. And I get more out of that uh, than I did previously in a different field, in a different world. And to your question about opportunities, yeah, I mean, you know, what was the, there's that, there's that movie Liar Liar with Jim Carrey where he can't lie. He just says yes to everything. There's another movie, I think, where you just say yes to everything and you just see where it goes. And I don't think the point is to say yes to every single opportunity that, that people give you. But you should definitely consider every opportunity. I can tell you now, since I've had my job, I've had offers to leave and to go to other places, uh, cover other teams. And I really had to assess those opportunities compared to the current role and opportunity that I have. I like, I played all these sports when I grew up. I like covering all the sports. Uh, every sport is different. Sports in general, um, to me is the ultimate form of storytelling because it's completely unscripted. It's completely uh, unpredictable and it's as unpredictable as a game of rock, paper, scissors every time. And so I find that gratifying. So if opportunities come your way, yeah, look at them on their face, take every opportunity as it is, weigh the benefits, weigh the cons and make your decision accordingly. But like I said from the beginning, you know, make sure you love what you do. And if that opportunity allows you to do something that you love um, and, and you're passionate about it and you find the beauty in that, then take it. You've been in this industry for a little while. You started out obviously in, in screenwriting, et cetera. We heard your journey. I'm just curious how you've seen it change in the digital age. I know that when you started late 2014 to early 2015, it doesn't feel that long ago. But I think digitally, it's almost like a lifetime ago when we see how social media has evolved uh, and just how many things have moved to digital, how podcasts have become such a big deal. So kind of how have you seen those changes and adapted and navigated through them? Yeah, great question. I think not enough has talked about how not just 
media and technology has changed the way we do our jobs, but also the pandemic, of course. Uh, and then with that comes the technology that allows us to do what we're doing now um, on this podcast, where, you know, seven, eight years ago, we'd be in a studio somewhere right next to each other with headphones and microphones doing this. That's what I used to do when I had radio shows and podcasts. Um, so to answer your question, you know, when I first came in, there was, you know, there was like mm -hmm. blogs, right? Like what your website, our website, lots of, you know, Lakers Nation, Dodgers Nation, these things, they were all considered blogs. People were considered bloggers. Uh, it's kind of changed a little bit now because now um, they're legitimate websites with huge followings and the digital game and era has changed and the way we look at it. And now if you have a website that gets a lot of traffic, gets a lot of views, gets a lot of listens, uh, then sponsors and advertisers want to be on that page and on that website and, and be a part of it. Uh, one thing I realized from coming into like, let's say print, I guess you could call it because Newsweek was still mm -hmm. in print at the time, but also more like online newspapers, uh, to then going into a company that the digital part of their, I mean, NBC is huge. NBC Universal is huge. So the digital wing of this huge media conglomerate was very small and still growing at the time. And getting to kind of see it evolve while simultaneously watching what was happening in broadcast was very interesting to me. I still believe that broadcast on, at least on the local level, is still like, in the Jurassic mm -hmm. era, right? They're like dinosaurs now. And I think finally just now, especially with NBC and coming out with Peacock, um, we're trying to get into the streaming wars and we're figuring out how to monetize these things and what people listen to and want. You know, during the pandemic, NBC laid off like 25% of their workforce, but I don't think anybody in digital across the country was touched because they realized that that is the future. And so I'm glad that I am like, you know, I'm a jack of all trades, but a master of none. I'm glad that I'm able to have my hands in different pots. Uh, I'm glad I'm able to work with broadcast, work with digital, work with radio, work with podcast. I'm glad I'm able to kind of see a little bit above it because some things, let's be honest, are kind of like a dying medium and others are growing. Social media is a huge growing space. Uh, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or TikTok now, uh, you know, I'm just witnessing just how much these large followings can change the space and how sports teams also gravitate towards them and see the value in it. Uh, and they are starting to change the way they do their coverage as well. And there's a lot of high paying because this podcast is called get my job. There's a lot of high paying jobs out there in social media with within sports that are still, they haven't even touched the surface of what these things can do. So that's the future um, from that side of things. I'm not sure how I feel about it because I'm not too into social media personally, but I digress. Well, you're on, you're on Twitter. I think though that the pandemic on an entirely different subject, but still touching upon how the industry has changed is a bigger impact on the direction that sports journalism is heading. and. It has its pros and cons. So I happen to think now at this point, we in the media may never be allowed in a locker room again. 
and Zooms are probably in some format here to stay with a combination of in-person as well. And Zoom has been great as far as the ability to not have to travel to still be able to cover or, or be in press conferences virtually. Uh, it's been great for me when teams travel on the road and I'm not on the road with them uh, to be able to be involved and ask questions. But at the same time, I got into this business because of the ability to have access that nobody else does to players and personnel and be able to learn more about them, uh, build and establish relationships, and then uh, use them either as sources or have them uh, those relationships as sources or be able to tell their stories. And without that access, it changes how we cover teams, how we tell these stories, and it makes it a little less impersonal. And um, yeah, that part I think uh, I struggle with. That part I think worries me about the future of the industry a little bit. Uh, but you could probably touch on that a little more as well. But anyway, that's the long answer to your question. Well, it's been it's been interesting for us because we had in-person access, not locker rooms, obviously, all season, but we did have in-person access most of the season. We had it for games the entire season. Uh, we had it for practice from training camp up until the point where the league made changes and moved uh, the weekday press, press conferences to Zoom. But I think we were very lucky to get it, you know, as, as long as we did, because it obviously does make a difference. And I think Zoom certainly has its positives as well. But to your point about the locker rooms, it will be interesting because that is a huge part of what we do and how we build relationships and being able to just, you know, walk up to somebody before practice and ask them a few quick questions for a story and not have to schedule it ahead of time. And I think that's probably be easier for us, perhaps easier for the athletes as well, but time will tell. I hope we will get back into locker rooms because I do believe it makes a big difference in reporting, but I think we'll see, you know, over this next year, what happens. So there's my feeling on that. So that's what I got. Um, but I am going to change gears a little bit because as you know, as we have discussed, this is normally a podcast focusing on women in the industry. So I would love to see from your perspective over the last several years, you touched on it a little bit in the beginning of the podcast, but how have you seen opportunities grow and change for women? Look, when I first came into this business and, and from what I saw, it was the sports world was predominantly male. Mm -hmm. uh, it was predominantly male voices. There was plenty of sexism everywhere. And I'm, I'm starting to see maybe it's because of the Me Too movement. Um, whatever the, the catalyst for any of these things was, I think it's a good thing. And so I see less of it now. I see more of my male colleagues lifting women who want to be in this industry up instead of suffocating them um, and, and pushing them down. And I hope there's a reckoning coming because as I mentioned on the beginning of your show, you know, as I see opportunities opening up for women um, on, the, on the reporting side of things as anchors, uh, a friend of mine, Ashley Brewer, is now, you know, one of the main anchors on SportsCenter Los Angeles, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with her and Linda Cohn, like those are two trailblazers in my mind as far as like what we just really haven't seen before. Uh, with that Sports Center show, think about when Sports Center opened like 30 years ago. It was all men, all male anchors. And that's changing. And I like that. Um, 
Uh, like I said, sideline reporters are now, women are getting more opportunities. Uh, women like Erin Andrews, who kind of was like the, the queen of sideline reporting, is getting her own shows. Um, you know, a leader in this movement. I just went to a, a Bloomberg summit that she spoke at, though I wasn't there when she spoke. Um, I think you were there as well. But just the fact that was she was- there, And I was there when she spoke. There you go. So just the <laughs> fact that she was on the stage with the other guests, like Rich Paul, um, Michael Rubin, and some of these other guys, I think is amazing. And, but it's not enough because like I said in the beginning of this show, I still don't see, like I'm in a sports office at a, at a major network at NBC every day. And I don't see any women in our sports room. Uh, mm. and these are editors. These are producers. These are people who make decision makers. Now our, our news director and our assistant news director at NBC LA are both female. And I think that is great. That's something that's also changed. And I love that. But in our sports room, they're not there. So I want to see more female uh, producers. I want to see more female uh, editors. I want to see more female cameramen. Because when I go out to the games, to the stadiums, whether it's NFL or MLB uh, or basketball, whatever it may be, I, I see the same three to four male cameramen that we have at NBC with us. So I want to see more female you know, sports photographers, more female, more female cameramen, camera women, excuse me. Um, this is what I want to see more of. And I want to see them more in leadership roles, more in roles of power. And, and you can probably attest to this too, but I can tell you in all the other sports, when you walk into a press box, it's like 95% male mm -hmm. and 5% female. And those females are typically the same faces uh, who just don't get the same opportunities uh, that, that their male counterparts do. And I think that needs to change. So I, I think it's a slow progress. Uh, whatever we could do to expedite it would be great, um, including people listening to this podcast, hopefully, and you know, wanting to do this. So that's a long, another long-winded answer to your question. What do you think you personally can do to help expedite that process and your male colleagues as well? Well... I don't think I do enough, to be honest with you, but, you know, I try to, I don't know, I, I try to, to you know, there, we talked about opportunity earlier in this show, mm -hmm. and I kind of made a promise to myself early on when I was reaching out to people early in my career in sports journalism to, you know, want to be on their show or... Um, you know, come on a podcast that I had been starting early or anything like this. And I got a lot of rejection. And especially in Hollywood early on in my career as a screenwriter and different things, I caught a ton of rejection. And so I kind of made a promise to myself that when I was in a position to, I don't want to say a position of power, but a position where I had some, some sort of notoriety or anything that I could, you know, do something with, a platform, I guess, is the best way to say it, that I would never say no, that if anybody asked me to do anything, like you didn't ask me to come to the show, I had to make a bet with you and win it. But had you ever asked me to come on the show, I would say yes, immediately. Um, plenty of female podcasts have reached out to me. I say yes, immediately. Um, Amy Lawrence on CBS National Radio is a friend of mine. She always asked me to come on her show. It doesn't matter if I'm out if it's two in the morning. Uh, I just did a, a hit on her show from the Rams after party after they won the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday night at two in the morning. 
I was and actually on her show Super Bowl week. Excellent. Fun fact. Fun and fact so I you. leave, I leave <laughs> the Super Bowl party to find a quiet place to do her show. And, um, I know it's not enough, but just saying yes, um, to all of these opportunities is a part of what I can personally do to help. Um, doing shows like this, answer, asking questions, pushing for our sports department to hire more female interns when we haven't really because of the pandemic, but when they do that again. And, you know, three, four times a year, I had an intern that would kind of shadow me sometimes out in the field. And I would just mm -hmm. answer any questions and speak to them. And a lot of those interns are now anchors uh, in various markets across the country. And they always use me as a reference. And I'm like, why are you using me as a reference when you could use Fred Rogan or one of our sports reporters or our news director or one of our producers or our sports director or our, new, uh, you know, like I said, our news director or something like that or our general manager. And they, they choose me because, I don't know, they've developed relationships with me. They know that I'm a voice for them and they know that I'll go to bat for them and I have their back. That if a, if a person who's in a position to hire them uh, wants to speak to me, that maybe I will help them to land that job maybe more so than somebody else above me at NBC. So those are just things that I've done personally, but I do need to do more. And I'm willing to listen to someone like yourself and others out there who want to get into this industry to ask me how I can do more in the position I'm in. On this show, we do five fun facts. I know you are familiar. I believe you're familiar with the five fun facts I do with the 49ers players. Uh, and they get to just give me five facts about themselves. And that is all fun and games. But we, on this show, we ask everybody the same five questions every week and we get all these different answers. So if you're ready, five fun facts with Michael Duarte. I was born ready. Great. There's a fun fact in itself. What is your favorite moment in sports? Um, ever? Ever. Uh, Kirk Gibson's home run in game one of the 1988 World Series at Dodger Stadium against the Oakland Athletics. Fully support that one, by the way. Do you have a life motto? Okay, so... I was... Um, I know I've gone through a lot of obstacles and um, tribulations in my life mm -hmm. that have kind of shaped and changed the way I live my life, especially at an early age. And so okay. I've learned to try to remain present and live in the moment as much as I can and not worry about the past, not worry about the future, uh, and just try to live. And so I don't know if that's a mantra or a life motto. That's just something that I've learned over time because in an instant, life can change. Uh, things can be taken away from you. Your own life could be end. So I know it sounds cliche, but I try to remain uh, as much in the moment as I possibly can and to kind of live each day like as, as if it was your last. I think that's excellent life motto, motto. And some things are cliche for a reason because they are true and make sense. And I like that one a lot. Uh, do you have a go-to coffee or tea order? Mm, dirty chai lattes with almond milk. Do you have a go-to workout? Mm, no. And is there a book that you think everybody should read? So there's a book that I just purchased that I have not started reading. It's by 
uh, Kazuo Ishiguro called Clara and the Sun. Okay. And um, I'm really excited to read it. And I think other people should read it as well because uh, it deals with kind of like the direction social media and technology is headed uh, okay. as well as love and how we view love through certain lenses. So I definitely recommend uh, Claire in the Sun. So instead of answering your question with a, you know, what book should everybody read? I read it just, I answered it in a roundabout way with what I'm reading now and maybe some people will read it by listening to it. Who knows? Well, thank you very much for that, Michael. And thank you for joining me on the Get My Job podcast. Such a trailblazer you were. Thank you for not crushing me like like they crush bones to make oil, you know? I appreciate that. You're you're very welcome. Take you guys it easy on me. If you like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. We were brought to you today by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.